Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kia ora, no mai, haere mai ki Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod for another week after we had the Springboks come out from their DNA and play some football. That was a test match. That was the best test match of the year. That's the best test match for years. Joining me now, Bryn Hall down in Christchurch and of course James Parsons in Auckland and boys, let's start with you, Jipper. Best test match you've seen since when? Oh, it, it had everything. Um, you know, like if you look at the tactics which were spoken about at length during um, the week, uh, the, the, the Springboks came out and played a, you know, a well-balanced game between running, uh, carrying and, and uh, as we spoke about it, depth last um week around attacking in the 22 not giving that ball away that try from Mpimpi was just classic SA rugby sucking them in with the mall uh and then big boys around the corner and then you know ball will beat the defender every time when you're getting that sort of dominance so I mean it was an exceptional um performance from them and, and their ability to come back but I also think there was a lot to like out of the All Blacks and and let's not forget the Springboks uh world champions and um you know there was a lot in our game uh, that was pretty exciting, and we we played our styles. Oh, we chanced our arm early uh, by coming out of our half, and and let's let's not forget we're the most successful team at scoring points and tries out of our half. So, uh, all in all, just a fantastic spectacle for for the game of rugby. Yeah, Bryn, what did you make of that? The exit plays from the All Blacks—they were willing to go from their own twenty-two. Yeah, I think it is, and I think they would have seen that there was an attacking opportunity to be able to, to be able to attack down there. And look, I know that the first time they did it, they tried to exit out of their twenty-two with running, and in the second one, obviously, um, Cody drops that ball. But you know, they saw the attack, and they're going to back with what they see. So, uh, but again, it was great to see um, arms um, offload and his and his foot play to see a bit of flair because you know seeing guys like that who do have a great attacking prowess to be able to have moments like that, and um, you know, for the first time. Um, New Zealand had more kicks than the South Africans. You know, when, when have we said that? Probably the last, um, you know, seven or eight test matches that the South Africans have been a part of. So, like Jip said, I think their balance was great and I think their set-piece parity gave them a lot to do that you know, off their line-outs. You look at probably the difference with with the All Blacks, you know, they consistently were, were striking off the front and it's really hard to be able to attack off that. We talked around that last week and, you know, you, you look at the likes of when, when, um, when they scored that try that Jip alluded to, the ability to be able to play off really good ball and then being able to attack, you know, you look off that line out more when Fuff the Clerk plays and gives the ball, they're, they're, they're attacking against backs for your backs, whereas where the whole time the All Blacks ended up carrying into, you know, two or three guys, there was two forwards off and then, you know, Davey, Davey wasn't able to get over the advantage line. So you're talking around set piece and being able to attack off good play. You know, the South Africans can you continue to do that with their line out more 
playing off the top as well and then being able to play when they, were, when they weren't going forward off that mall. So I was really impressed with how the South Africans played, the fact that they were able to play on top of teams. They played with ball on hand. You know, they were at that kind of seven to ten phases. They'd be able to get a penalty, especially early on, they were able to do that. You know, then the All Blacks took the opportunities in that first half. You know, they scored three times out of the five visits that they did have. Um, and then if you look at that second half, you know, the South Africans from that 40 to 60 minute mark, you know, they changed the game and were able to score points. And then um, it went penalty, tack for tack in that last 10 minutes, you know, with, with um, you know, leads changing here and there. And then it kind of added to the test match and the way it finished. And, you know, I actually thought Francois Stein, when he came on and his injection, when he came on with his 20, when his 50-22 kick, his exit kicks as well, coming outside the 22 and relieving a lot of pressure for the South Africans. So, you know, we know that they kicked really, really well, but I love to see that they were attacking and been able to score points due to their um, attacking prowess of their big men and going over and, and asking questions of the All Blacks, which we wanted them to do last week. The All Blacks didn't necessarily have the answers, especially in the second half, Chipper. What happened up front that allowed the Springboks to get over the top of them at set piece and around the field? Yeah, look, I find this one... Um... Interesting because if you look, we had um, you know two lineout steals to their three, and, and there was one overthrown by the Springboks before the front rows got subbed just before half time. So, and, and obviously Weber scored a try off the back of a good steal um, at, at lineout time. So I don't think it's as all doom and gloom around our um, our set piece. I think you know a couple. I suppose the biggest one is the 64th minute when uh, we elected to go to the corner. And they, they try to no jump more, which um, sometimes can work against bigger teams by, you know, you get into that low body position quickly, but Kitsoff was up to that and, and smacked the ball and, and got the turnover. So I don't think the set piece is as, as drastic as um, it's made out. It's always going to be a big challenge against the Springboks. And I think when you've got guys like Whitelock and Coles coming back into the fold, um, into the end of year tour, when we know set piece will be big again. Uh, I think it's been a great experience and, and some great lessons had um, by those guys getting to experience it without that leadership out there. Because in those big tests, that's when it's key. A guy like Whitelock can um, really, you know, with his years of experience, uh, pick teams off. But I think there was a couple of things they tried because you, you've got to take the ball where it's av available. And, and Brennan mentioned about, you know, winning it at the front. And I think if you use the 15 minute mark, I think Blackadder takes at the front and he gives a little pump fake off the top. And you can see. Uh, the Springboks try to get a you know a, a jump on D and, and try to come through onto the nine, which Bryn will know about. And that little pump fake just slows their line speed enough for uh, you to turn front ball into sort of middle ball with a good delivery from um, the guy at the front. So they tried that. And then with Artie's try, you look where they take that line out. Uh, they take it out 17 metres. And you, you always use over the 15 throws when you are struggling to win that ball in the middle back. And it creates a little bit of separation and it gives a bit of room for error for the hookers. Um, so yeah. they definitely made some shifts and some innovation around their line-out. And we spoke about that transition, D around the line-out last week. And you watch for Artie's try. Uh, yeah. It goes over the 15. That sucks the hooker out to think he's in a race with the nine. He goes hard at Weber. And that's where Bodie attacks straight in that seam because yeah. there's no connection there between the hooker and, and the flanker. So they go through there and eventually end up scoring. So... I thought that was quite interesting after what we'd spoke about the transition to see a, a great example of that. So, like, I, I don't think it was all uh, doom and gloom at the set piece. The one area they, they would probably be frustrated with is when the rush D, um, you know, they used nine out on that wide channel and it forced the All Blacks back in a few times, hit the forwards either flat-footed and they got counter or, 
you know, they hit Geordie and he cut back in with an aggressive run. But then there was that separation and guys like Marks um, hovering in around that breakdown when you force them back in against the grain. Uh, it was all too easy sometimes at breakdown uh, time to get those turnovers. So those are probably the one area, um, you know, they could have looked at. Because if you use Karevi a few weeks ago, you remember when he stepped inside Faf de Klerk and, and they ended up scoring via Callaway? They really tried to target that edge defender of, of the halfback of the Springboks because a lot of time they're just rushing up, show face, and it's like fool's gold. You know, they try to force you back in. We could have potentially yeah. maybe looked to run it, run it that nine a little bit more and make him make some tackles. Uh, but we didn't. We went back in and, and, and obviously uh, it wasn't, um, as free-flowing as we'd like on attack compared to the first half when we were using those kick passes um, and, and other sorts of forms to get around that rush, D. Yeah, I think as well, Chip, because, you know, Fafta Klerk, a lot of them, they might see this in the India tour, especially with how the Northern Hemisphere nines defend, they tend to defend on the edge and kind of slip in a lot, whether it be at rock or out on the edge, if they do in their switch players. Um, when they play the Australians and Bodhi put that little grubber kick in behind in the central kind of part of the field or even little chips in behind the middle of the field, that could be a ploy for them moving forward if they do see those pitches again. Because, again, I think, you know, having that extra body in with Fuff de Klerk, he can organise on the edge and being able to spook more so than being able to try and make a tackle. He will make a tackle if he's there. But a lot of that time, if you are seeing him there, then there is space in the middle of that field. So maybe the All Blacks might see that in review and seeing if they could do little trip, trip, uh, little chips in the middle of the field to be able to um, exploit that kind of area where the nine usually is traditionally. The two words when I was watching that go on, I thought Nani Laumape, like his ability to get over the gain line in the face of that kind of defence could have been a major asset for the All Blacks this series. I, oh, I, it's, it's tough to say because I think if you, even if Nani was playing, you, you, let's, let's take Quinn Tupai, for example, who's a really good ball carrier, not to the extent of obviously what Nani is because it's, it's such a great strength of him, but... It doesn't matter if, you, if you're that size, if you're going into a brick wall. You know, we talked around off the line out, going off the top of a line out from the front or even off a bunter play. It's so hard to be able to defend, um, so hard to attack, sorry, when you've got so many numbers around. And then you look at Delande, you know, who's a great ball carrier, was going into backs v backs. But I think if you are talking on the edge, it is Nani's one of Nani's great strengths, being able to um, have a physical ball carrier and go over the, over the vantage line. But... I think it, it, it was really tough to be able to, I think more so, more so around the attack off the line out, to be able to attack off that when you're going into brick walls with, with a two or a seven with the other backs out there as well. So Jipper, is it, is it a personnel thing or is it just a game plan thing that's going on here? I think especially maybe when we talk about the line outs, they were, they were stuck at the front because they'd been having trouble winning at the back and therefore they had to, like you said, do a little bit of ingenuity at the front. Is that because the bright people aren't there to, to get that middle ball going and the back ball going? No, not at all. That That's the Springboks. This is their bread and butter. Yeah. They love it. You look at that one late that Ipsabeth gets um, and he comes from behind and almost smacks the ball out um, from behind. And I think that's a great reflection of their attitude to line out D. They don't give up. Even though he was beaten and the All Blacks got the All Black jumper got in front of him, he still thought he was in the race to, to focus on that role in that moment. And he got up in behind and he disrupted it. Uh, so, uh, look, they're just a really impressive um, outfit at set piece. And um, a, as I sort of alluded to before, we lost a couple, but I think it's the it, it feels a lot worse because of the nature and the importance of those couple. Um, if, if you take one of the three, it was, you know, that no jump one. Um, and then the other ones were, you know, you've just got to uh, say well done to when a defensive team can 
get up and steal steal pill off you. You can't dwell on it too much. And that's you now I'm not making excuses, but it's also you've got to respect the opposition we're against, and also you know acknowledge that um, it wasn't as bad a day um, as, as most. I, I understand that it's not ideal to attack off front ball, uh, but they, as I mentioned before, they use ways to be able to get in and around under the fence. And if you look at the first half, they, you know they were pretty effective at, at doing it. Um, but as a, you know, it was more that breakdown um, area and the, the defensive pressure, that rush D was really effective in the second half, which put the All Blacks into an attacking position they didn't want to do. The defence was manipulating the attack and putting them in the position they wanted them. And that's where that's where it sort of broke down. And that's why guys like Marks, and I keep mentioning him because I just think he should be starting. Like He, he is such a beast, man. Like He was so good ball in hand, but also in and around that breakdown area. He is just so effective. Mm. You bring that starting front row, which came on after 38 minutes, I suppose you could call them. Um, that made a massive change to the game, didn't it? Oh, it did. And I thought, yeah, Malcolm Marks was, was outstanding, not only just with his set piece and his core roles, but his difference around turnovers is, is so good. And it's been able to relieve so much pressure. Like Jip said, when they, are, when they are stepping back inside with the attack phase of the All Blacks and you can just get a guy that's so good on the ball, it can be able to change momentum, especially if the All Blacks are trying to be able to build pressure, build pressure, and then a turnover like that with Marks is something that he does consistently. And he did that on the weekend to be able to stunt the All Blacks um, flow, especially in that, in that second half. You know, the, from the 40 to 60 minute mark, you know, they were all over the All Blacks because we couldn't build pressure due to the, the nature of how they were playing with the attack, um, their kicking game, and then being able to have the turnovers in crucial moments when the, when the All Blacks are trying to um, trying to attack. And so it wasn't until like, the 67th minute, or what was it, the 60, yeah, the 67th minute mark where we got our first points, just just due to how um, dominant they were in the second half. So um, I probably would have been, a, it was probably a plan to probably bring them on early to get them, um, you know, immersed into the kind of play early on and then be able to come on in the second half. But yeah, I thought Malcolm Marks and their, and their set piece, especially their scrum time as well, was, um, was really evident in that second half. And that's where they're probably the winning of the game is that that probably... 40 to 60 minute mark, they dominated, got the points. It was 11 point, unanswered points. And then, um, you know, went tip for tat in that back end of the last five minutes with penalty to penalty to penalty. So, and then I thought, you know, you've got to talk around Van Mullen, that steal to be able to to get in a position to win that game. You know, the All Blacks are trying to, trying to slow down that game and trying to put, go into kind of a piston setup. And then, you know, it makes a massive steal to be able to give them an opportunity to then get in the half, go for a line-out drive, and then Fafta Klerk, no, not Fafta Klerk, um, Yanchis does a really good job being able to just a little bit of a dummy to get the All Blacks offside, and then, you know, um, Yanchis puts puts a kick over to win the game. How often do we see that, Bryn, that turnover late when you're trying to close yeah. the game out? It's one of the hardest things to do because teams now train it to get the turnover where they take out uh, the supporting players so that it isolates the ball carrier and it gives good access and, Guys like Vermeulen and, and Marks are just, once they're on that ball, you, you, it doesn't matter how low you get and how big a run-up you get, you're not moving them. Uh, they get such a wide base and platform. And uh, you, You've got to credit the Springboks' ability from where they were to go behind to get that steal, make the mm. critical decision to go to the corner because Stain was looking at it going, you know, I might have a crack here from 60. He probably would have had the range. But they, they backed their set piece. Um, and, and they backed their attack. And, and the funniest thing is, is it's the impact that they've done from Mapibi's try that, that caught, I suppose, the All Blacks looking to jump because they'd been sucked in at the mall. 
then they knew the big boys were coming around the corner, so they wanted to get up in their face, shut down their time and space, and it was just that, as as Bryn alluded to, Yanchi's little pump fake on the on the ground, which uh, catches uh, most people out because you expect them to pass it, and then you know they get the winning of the game from there. So um, it, was, it was pretty impressive finish to the game under immense pressure to get a result. Let's take it back to the start of that movement then, when the turnover happened, um, or the penalty happened um, at the breakdown. What could the All Blacks have done better in that scenario, Bryn, in order to get that across the line? Are you talking about just more so when they had the ball in hand? They had the ball in hand, you know, they were off to the right-hand side of the field. There was, you know, a minute or two to go. Um, What could they have done better in that time? Oh, I think if you do make the decision to be able to shut the game out, uh, you've just got to be so squeaky clean around getting your, your, your movements right. So whether if you're the ball carrier and you've got the two guys that are in behind, You've just got to be able to do a job because I think you are right. Teams now are so used to be able to to be able to get in a position to take the to, to also to to chop tackle first and then being able to try and um, shepherd those guys out to be able to then give an opportunity for like Van Mullen to get onto the ball. So I think you you do go over it and it's just kind of the part and parcel of of kind of that scenario because at sometimes you know if it's forty seconds, fifty seconds, you don't give the team as many opportunities to be able to give to let them get on the ball and jackal. So it's really hard to be able to, to win a game like that at the moment because teams are so used to be able to try and get that ball back. And now you almost see it's a better percentage of a team getting a steal than it is trying to win a game like that. So um, I think they'll just be a little bit more ruthless around what their roles are in, in that kind of moment because they would have they would have practiced it, teams practiced it. And so it's just being able to be disciplined enough for the amount of time that you are shutting out a game. You've just got to be squeaky clean and get it right because, you know, Van Mullen gets that steal, goes down and they go back to a line-out drive, build pressure, and then it gives an opportunity for Yanchis to do that pump fake, and um, and they win the game through that. So I think it was the right decision. I think it wasn't like a two, three-minute stage of like, you know, that's a long time. It's probably a little bit too long, but I think the decision-making when they did want to do that, I think it was the right decision. It was just unfortunately Van Mullen was so good on the ball and probably the clean-out and what they were supposed to do in that moment, they just didn't get it right. And, you know, a world-class Van Mullen who can get the ball like that, um, that's all it takes to be able to get the opportunity to, to get a penalty. Jeff, I suppose the alternative is maybe playing territory. Um, is that the alternative to, to holding on there and, and getting them down their end and forcing them to go 80, 90 metres? Yeah, it is. But I, I think, you know, in that situation, the, the Springboks actually counterattacked really well. Um, they, they, they really took a different approach to countering. So that, that is the option. But, you know, and I, I think it was the right thing to do to close it out the, the way they did. But it's always such a dangerous area because you know the ref is watching, I suppose, more so everything around that breakdown to not looking for a penalty, but they know that it's an important moment, so they've, they've got to make the right call. And so I think as, as players, sometimes you can, um, you know, just take the tackle yourself. You can almost let them to come out, um, bring that line speed and, and not get that disconnect from your cleaners because sometimes if you do a good carry and you get leg drive and you fall out the other side, because um, you've won that collision, you're actually sitting at someone's uh, feet and they get first lick at the chariot. So it creates that separation between your cleaners. Um, and, and the other option is to do it, you know, I suppose South African style, where they latch up two ball carriers together and try and win that collision and um, form a ruck a lot faster by having that um, body in and around. But uh, I just think it was well done by Van Mullen. Like he, he got in there really quick and, and as I said, wide base and um, it was it was pretty well executed. I don't think it was anything wrong on the All Blacks' part, but 
Um, it's the nature of when you're trying to close things down, opportunities somehow always present. And if it's not a turnover like that, the ref might see um, you know, a forward coming in and, and sealing off and not mm. allowing uh, defence access, and that normally can end up in a penalty as well. So it's a really technical um, you know, part of the game that, that does get trained a hell of a lot more than you think. Mm. Yeah, in a way, it's kind of scary to be the team with ball in hand in that situation, isn't it? <laughs> Well, what, yeah. yes and no, because it, normally yeah. you're the team that's up. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But this, yeah, there's so, like you said, Jeff, there's so many things that can be able, you can get penalised for, and it gives the defensive yeah. team oh. so many more opportunities than the attacking team. So, yeah, you've got to be so aware around, you know, your clean out, not, not latch it up, being able to not um, be over the ball, you know, the turnover penalty, your entry, just so many things that are against you and it gives them the opportunity for that defensive team to be able to get the ball back. So you are right to an extent, Ross, but again, you'd rather have the ball and be able to have the opportunity to shut the game out than be behind in, in that kind of position. Let's talk about DNA. There was a lot of stuff talked last week about the South African DNA being kick, 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 kick. Now, what I saw on the weekend was what I thought was the South African DNA. You know, can we put to bed, Jipper, the fact that you know, relentless kicking as the South African DNA, that balance that we saw on the weekend, surely that's their DNA. Yeah, well, for me as a kid growing up, watching the All Blacks play the Springboks, that to me was Springbok rugby. And and I, I think the biggest um, part of it was the different style of kicks. So, you know, Bryn mentioned the 50-22. It wasn't always contestable. They were long, finding grass, putting that territory pressure back on the opposition. So it was a variation of kicks. The amount of kicks doesn't really bother me, but if you're just going to keep doing the same ones all the time, it doesn't really allow you the ability to manipulate that backfield. And I think that's what they did really well with uh, their choice between when Faf kicked for for a contestable or Stain or LaRue or whoever it was uh, went long and, and um, you know, finding grass. And then the other flip side was obviously the 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 play that led to Mbibi's tribe we've spoken about, but also that style of play that they did and ended up on points score is exactly how they won the game, which is just Springbok's physical dominance, set-piece dominance, um, and then the ability of their game drivers to pull the trigger when needed. You must have enjoyed it, Bryn. From that moment that the backward pass came from Lacanio arm, you must have been like, ooh, here we go. Oh, it is because, you know, there's so many talents in, 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 in their team with the attacking prowess that, that they do have. And, you know, it was great to see um, Monpepe, you know, and even Arm as well. We, we, we've talked so much around his ability to be able to play well, but just hasn't had an opportunity due to the fact that they've kicked so much. And he's been more of a defensive um, defensive line speed guy and been able to just connect off, off kicks. So, no, it was great to see. And I think the great thing that they do have, you know, traditionally against, against the All Blacks, these last two test matches, you know, they've had the ability to be able to have turnovers. So, They've consistently defensively been able to put uh, pressure on that, been able to get turnovers and relieve a lot of pressure for the All Blacks to stunt their their momentum. And so, you know, when you can have, they had 27 kicks on the weekend, you know, they had eight eight uh, contestables where they got the ball back. And then you bring that ability to be able to run the ball like they did on the weekend. I think that's that's their DNA there. And you have to probably do that against the All Blacks. You have to play against the All Blacks. And, I, you know, I'm not going to say that, they're not going to shy away from this because they might just feel that against other teams, they can afford to be able to kick like they did against British and Irish Lions. But to their credit, like the Australians have in the last four games, they've made the improvements that they've needed to be able to win test matches. And so 
you know, they couldn't afford to be able to do 38 kicks again and not been able to play. And so it was great to see that when they did have the ball in the attacking zone, they built phases, whether through seven or eight, seven to ten phases, got penalties, and then they also scored a try with Montpepe with being able to use their big ball carriers and then quick ball and then been able to, to score on the edge. So I think it is for the DNA, especially playing against the All Blacks, I think that's the way they do have to play. But I'm not going to say that, you know, they might play in England or France or whoever it might be where they feel that, you know what, we're going to go back to that kind of kicking phase get the high kicks, go back to territory and be able to put teams under pressure through their lines for pressure like they did against um, the British, British and Irish Lions. Jipper, imagine that you're France Stain and you're sitting at home and the newspaper comes out and this new 50-22 rule is in it. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been like Christmas for that guy. Oh, mate, and wasn't it a tracer bullet? Like, there was no stopping it. There was always going to... There was a couple of other ones and he nearly got one as well. Um, you know, he's got a huge boot. He's got the ability to find space in the backfield. And that's always, I suppose, the sign of a, a win in terms of a kick. If you can get the ball to bounce twice in the backfield, it allows you time to get your D line set and have, you know, have a wall coming towards those guys that are trying to uh, run it back. So he, he certainly would have been licking his lips. And I have no doubt uh, he went into that game knowing that um, it could be a massive play. And, and look, I think it was the biggest play because it ended up in a try and so it was it was a huge huge play and, and also i suppose testament to the new rule um bringing some new um exciting ways to turn a game on its head not just waiting for a penalty to piggyback yourself down the field it, it created an opportunity through you know great tactical kicking uh, that led to a, a great attack attacking set and, and points it gave me the same sinking feeling that I got when Freddie Fittler kicked that 40-20 against the Warriors in the 2002 <laughs> grand final. So 2002, it was that exact same feeling, Bryn, where I was just like, oh no, this game has just changed completely because of one little thing like that. Well, that's it, and that's, that's the test matches, isn't it? <clears throat> and that's kind of the, the ones that we, that's the kind of test matches we're used to seeing with South Africa and New Zealand because they're such tight contests and the last two test matches attest to that to be able to see moments in games that are so that are so small that it's um, something like that that can change the game and for South Africa you know it was you know it was a it was a great opportunity for them to be able to score points off that so you know that's why we love playing against South Africa and test matches like this because you know they can have two test matches against South Africa where they were probably underdone a little bit but for the fact that them playing against New Zealand it brings the best out of them and it brings the best out of us you know we were tested um, more more so than them against the Argentinians and the Australians and um, you know it's what the South African battles do and that's why we've had 101 101 games and um, you know that's why they're considered our biggest foe due to the fact of how close those contests are and they have been in the last two weeks. Sorry Ross, I had that sinking feeling when you have those two bookends off that mall and and you know what it's like Bryn, when you, you want them to stay free to set your you know, you know defensive line speed or if they go wide off that, they're the first guys that'll get around the corner next right. Yep. And when um, I saw Artie have to join the mall because they you know, the Springboks had it moving, you knew yeah. if this ball came out, they were always going to be chasing their tail around the corner. And, and as yep. we saw, ball beat man. And, and it was, it was, it's that ability to manipulate the D to suit their style, which they just nailed so well on the night. Maybe let's look at some of the best guys out of the South African team, the New Zealand <clears throat> team, the Australian team, the Argentinian team. When you look at this rugby championship, um, let's start with South Africa, since we're on them right now. Um, Bryn, who are your stars out of those guys for the rugby championship? For Australia? Uh, for South Africa. For, sorry, South Africa. Um, look, I thought 
um, Etzebeth was was massive for me. Um, his lineup pressure, which um, we've alluded to um, the last couple of test matches, his ability to be able to to stun the All Black growth, the All Black lineout um, set piece, not giving it where they want it, um, was a big ploy and being able to take away an attacking and attacking plays from from the All Blacks. So. I think Etzebeth's line-out ability is, is world-class and probably the best in the world at the moment due to the fact that he can have line-out steals in crucial moments and did that a lot in, um, in the two test matches against the All Blacks especially. And then been able to have you know his physical prowess defensively as well and contestables off, off kicks. I talked around him and Van Mulen consistently through the Lions series and the All Blacks series and the whole tra- uh, rugby championship was being able to get up the ball and then being able to uh, build pressure to get in the ball back in those contestables. And he's a lock, so... You know, I thought he was fantastic. And then, you know, you've got to talk around Fafta Clip for as much um, stuff we've talked around the kicking game of the of the South Africans. His ability to be able to execute their game plan to a tee um, was one of the reasons why they've been so successful. And so his different types of variety of kicks, you know, he's also had, he's the best in the world probably at contestables at the moment. You know, we talked around Connor, probably Connor Murray as it was in that department. But the fact that Fafta Clerk has done it against the All Blacks and in that British Lions series so well, and then his attacking kicks as well. He's he's, he's had try assist through for little grubbers in behind to be able to score points off that. And then um, has little different types of attacking kicks as well. So his his array of kicking styles, especially for a halfback, for me to see that, I think it's it's a part of their DNA around why they're so good in that in that in that respect. Yeah, I, I suppose that? for me. Um... Uh, like those are those are all sort of um, guys I had on the list. The only one I'd add, and, and it's no surprise, I, I suppose, for for the start of this podcast, is Malcolm Marks. I just think he needs more time on the field. The more you can have that guy on the field, the more opportunity you're going to put yourself in a position to win games. He he is just so effective both sides of the ball, um, and and so clinical in his core roles as well. I feel like the other person from the South African pack who probably doesn't get the credit he deserves, maybe. Um is Kitsoff. Like, he is a guy who can play 80 minutes and he's a guy who makes a big difference, Chipper. Yeah, he does. And, and he's he's actually another one you would have seen in the, I suppose, the Lions series that's very effective over the ball. Um, you know, mm. strong, wide base and, and can get turnovers. He's got the ability, I suppose, from that Stormers team to um, have a bit of flair in his game, you know, giving tips or balls out the back. And then he has the direct route as well. So he, he covers all bases and um, as we as we alluded to, the the reserves that came off the bench um, on on the weekend, and and he was one of them in that front row. Uh, they made it made a huge impact on the game. Mm. What about Geordie Barrett? Is he the guy for the All Black sprint? Yeah, Geordie has had a great great series, hasn't he? And I think we talked we talked around. You know, Damien McKenzie was probably uh, the incumbent starting in the early part of the All Black season, and then. For the fact that they gave Geordie Barrett an opportunity, and he's made every post a winner. You know, his especially his aerial game against the South Africans, we knew that was that was coming, and he time and time again was able to get up the ball and contest it um, to win the ball and been able to take that away from the South Africans. And then his attacking ability as well. You know, the way that he runs the ball is is um, is fearless is the probably word that I'd use. Every single time he gets an opportunity, you know, you look at that one on the weekend where he broke through the line due to. Um, a counter-attack ability off, off one of the South Africans' kicks and then being able to put that ball away for for Albie. Um, you know, it's it's an attacking ability that he has had and it's great to see him to be able to do that at test match level. And then his goal kicking, you know, you can't you can't shy away from that. Two clutch kicks in, in big moments, you know, one that wins a test match and the second one he ended up getting over. But 
South Africans end up getting the penalty to be able to win the game. But, you know, having moments like that, two, two kicks in a high-pressure situation, um, it's great for him to be able to have that those moments in, in that fullback jersey and be able to, to kick under pressure, considering that he hasn't had many test matches to be able to do that as, as a goal kicker. His ability to run from the back reminds me of Carmichael Hunt. Mm. I know I can't help yeah. myself to bring it back to the NRL, but he just yep. hits the ball at pace and it injects itself in the game. So, you know, he'd be up there for potentially player of the series for, the, for out of all four teams. He has made a huge impact um, in many areas of the game. The other one I've got is, um, I think, Reeks. I think Rico Ioane, um, you know, his ability to go between midfield and wing. And he's another one that, you know, he is just busting through tackles. His electric speed and um, power, uh, you know, coming out the other side was huge, you know, most recent. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Example is Artie's try. He, he played a big part in you know, going through two defenders and then dragging a third to then uh, create the offload to, to leave Artie in space. So I, look, I think he's had a massive uh, tournament on, on attack, but also we've seen some um, you know, massive plays defensively using his speed against the Wallabies in Perth, um, you know, against, uh, I think, the Springboks as well, having the ability to, you know, go between um, that, that, that centre and wing um, was, was it's a lot harder than he, he makes it look. And, and I, I definitely think he's been one of the key performers. I wanted to talk to you about Rico, Jibba, because when you look at what's happened when they've tried to bust out of their 22 on the weekend in comparison to previous weeks, I think the key difference was that Rico wasn't in there at centre and he's been able to make that extra 20, 30 metres that's got them rolling. Um, do you feel like maybe that he's in a position to, to take that 13 jersey on a more full-time basis? Oh, I definitely think he's in the conversation. Uh, but Anton's come off a, a good break and, and he's been pretty formidable as well. So... I just think the competition is, is good. But I, I think Reeks actually moved himself in midfield. I, I don't know if you remember when they uh, the Springboks tried that intercept uh, in the 22 and the, the ball would have got to Rico's hand in and around that sort of midfield centre range. And, and I think for that exact reason, he was moved in there because of his ability to um, punish defence and, and either go around them or through them. Um, so I, I think they were still looking to utilise that um, out of their half. They just... Were, were shut down by either that, that intercept knock-on, I think by Delende and, and um, or the rush D, um, um, putting them in a position where they had to kick. And I, th I think on that, I think on that as well, Ross, Rico actually got himself 
to be in those in those positions. There were a lot of times that he actually was able to impose himself on that edge attack. You know, you look at the one where he broke through and gave the ball to Davy Harvilli, and then even on the edge as well, there was a couple of times he'd break through the tackle and, and give an offload. So, yeah, I think he, when he is on the wing, you know, he doesn't get as many opportunities at centre, but for whatever reason, the game went to him where he actually got himself in that kind of um, position to, to be a centre, to be able to to be able to attack that that line and like I used the examples, the one that he gave to Davy broke through the line, gave a great offload, and then been able to go on the edge. And unfortunately, Joe Moody drops that ball early on in the game, and then you know he got um, an opportunity out on the edge as well, bit of footwork to beat um, Francois Stein in the second half, and then gave an offload to play off that. So I think even if he does play a winger, his ability to be able to get into that position where he's not just on the wing and be able to have that work rate to play in and around that edge attack, I think um, he did that pretty well on pretty well considering that he wasn't at centre him when he was on the wing. Hmm. I wonder if, well, you know, you think about traditional Kiwi play over the last 20 years when we've had power wingers in play, we've had them coming in close and doing crash balls as a variation. I wonder whether Rico Jipper could be used more in that capacity as well. Yeah, potentially, I, I think. Um, but I just don't know if that's a style the ABs are wanting to uh, play with that they're lo looking to use the whip that they're, they're looking to uh, get in behind with kicks so it, it's definitely an option um, and, and I suppose that was sort of it when when Bodie broke through and um, and Reeks gets the ball and, and busts through that's almost like a crash option I think it has to be a field thing I don't think it's um, you know going to be something that we'll see all too often um, but it's definitely not it's definitely an option Mm. What about the Wallabies, Bryn? Who did you like? Um, I had three had three guys, and I'm just going to use them all as backs. So hopefully, Dripper's got a few forwards in there. But um, I had I had Callaway, Kirivi, and actually Quade Cooper. They were the three guys that I've had that I thought have had um, had great results for the for the Wallabies, and especially um, post the All Blacks. I think through the first two Test matches, or well, the first couple of Test matches against the All Blacks, um, we talked around what they needed to do solution wise around. Their, their face play attack and look I think the likes of having Karevi um, and especially Cooper really helped that and it was even more evident on the weekend as well they had so many opportunities that they ended up being clinical and we probably talked around when they played the All Blacks they weren't clinical enough when they had the opportunities that they were down there so I think Karevi's um, ball play ability has been has been great for them especially off that transition being able to get them over the advantage line and then when he has had an opportunity one-on-one -on -one, he's been able to beat defenders and put Put players away as well. Very similar to actually Ma'a Nonu, I think. I heard a, saw a piece that Kirevi wants to mould his game like Ma'a Nonu. And what Ma'a did really well was that he was able to use his physical ability to get over the advantage line, break tackles, and then being able to put people away. And we've seen that a lot in that, these test matches with Kirevi being able to do that. And, you know, Callaway, what a what a debut season for him that he's had. You know, he scores a hat-trick on the weekend. And, you know, 40, you know sometimes when you do start and you're in that rich round of form, things kind of happen for you and you end up scoring trials like that. But... What I love about Callaway is his ability to be able to work off the ball, and his mindset has been able to been able to be energetic and move as as fast as he can. And so we see that a lot. You look at one of the tries that um, the Australians scored on the weekend, the rover ability, and when Creevy goes through from that short ball off of Cooper, you watch Callaway and how much he works and how hard he works off the ball to be able to give that animation and get those Argentinian defenders thinking around who's going to get that ball and. Jipper alluded to that last week, his ability to be able to rove off those those face play attacks is making a massive difference in that attack with with the um, with the Australians. So, and yeah, like I said, Quade Cooper has been great for them as well. His his decision making and his game management has been has been really really good. And so, 
probably before his his time when he was previously with the with the Wallabies, he'd make those probably two or three errors that would put his teams his team under pressure. But you haven't seen it from Quaid. He's been able to um, control the game really well as a ten, and then he has taken it to the line. He's made good decisions around if it's an offload or you just hold on to the ball and build phases to be able to to play on top of things and on top of teams. And I won't use a Ford as an example, but I think the the Wallabies Ford pack has made massive improvements and hopefully will allude to individuals more around that. But on the weekend, their breakdown and their efficiency around cleaning that ball out against the Argentinians was the reason why you know, they end up scoring 30 points in the first 50, 60 minutes due to how ruthless and their physical prowess around getting to be able to clean move bodies, clean bodies, and making good decisions around um, their face play attack when they are on the edge as well. Yeah, I suppose, look, I agree with all those. I, I had um, all three of them down myself, but uh, a couple of guys in the forward pack that I think have, have really stamped their mark on international rugby. One is no surprise he does it every time he plays is the skipper Michael Hooper. And I think it's the standards he sets, and that's why a player like him working with a coach like Dave Rennie, if you think it was around the 48-minute mark, um, and he's at the scrum where they've marked for, for a scrum, and he turns around and looks at his forwards, and he starts clapping his hands and saying, get here, set first. You know, He sets the standards um, on, on little things you don't always pick up. You know, We know he's a great player. But as a leader and, and what he demands out of his pack to, to set standards, have the right body language, to win those little battles, those little mental battles in, in big test matches has been a massive growth, I think, in the whole uh, Wallabies team. And, and he's a big um, part of, of driving that change. As well as that, I think Valentini, uh, off the back of a massive Super Rugby, I thought he was exceptional for the Brumbies. And, and he, he had moments against the All Blacks, but this this sort of performance is consistently um, strong, you know, almost in the vein of uh, Radiki Samo. You know, he's playing that role of, of a little bit of X-Factor, can get through, can offload, um, finds holes, runs good lines. He's physical in defence, um, and he's got a big work rate. So I think he's had a massive uh, tournament. And then I, I think Tani Alatupo, I, I think he's had a massive... Um, growth in, in that set piece area and, and we've seen his skill set now at international level paying dividends in terms of what he can do with ball in hand and also defensively there was a couple of tackles um, he might have got, been lucky that he didn't get caught because the old shoulder was a little bit tucked but um, <laughs> he, he, he took to two Argentinian players back to back with massive hits so he just he looks like a guy that just loves playing the game of footy loves the physical contest he loves the wide open play, um, yeah, and and I just love seeing players like that with a smile on their face, just loving what they're doing, because that's when you know they're in an instinctive mode and just playing what they see, which is sometimes the hardest thing um, at, at that level to continue to have that uh, mentality, and and he's shown it in spades. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, Jip. What I have also been impressed with the um, with the Australians is their variety around their their lineout players. You, know, you talk around, you know, three of the four of their tries um, was off that kind of very same similar setup that they had. You know, that one where um, it was the the thirty third minute when Callaway scores that try, the animation around the halfback with Nick White going down that short side holds that number nine. If you watch the, those pitches, it holds the number nine, so he must have had the role to be able to go into that transition zone. And so with that Nick White going down that short side, it holds him, and then obviously um, Hooker um, comes around, and then. You've got Valentin going through there in that transition zone. And then the two tries that they went to the edge off that play again. The, tra- the 
the decision making around that because the first time they went to width off that, they didn't get their lines right. But they ended up not not scoring, but it just didn't look right. And then the second time they did that, um, Cooper gives a flush pass to um, Ikitao, and then Ikitao gives a offload to um, to score that try there. So I think the transition phase in their attack shape and variety around their attack play at the moment um, has been has been world class because I think um, we talk around um, the transition zone for the All Blacks and ways that they could have made things a lot easier there due to the fact how well um, the South Africans defend. But I think their um, their special plays have been unbelievable, especially in that test match. I don't know what you saw, but I thought, you know, whenever you can score three out of the four tries off a, off a move like that in different varieties, it shows how good your attacking um, specials are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they might have been watching a few Crusader games because it looked very uh, <laughs> reminiscent of, uh, of your boys' attack. But I think it's when you can do the same attack structure mm. multiple times and make the decision on what option you use based on what yeah. the defensive pitch give you. And it's always such a weapon because you know it's coming, but then you think you've got it underhandled. And just like uh, you said, uh, when um, the Australian hooker goes really wide, gets wide angle, two um, Argentinian defenders bounce on him and he just gives a little short ball to Valentini. Uh, and, and then the other options you say about um, going to width. Um, and, and I think Ikitao's offload has been understated. It was a hell of a little flick. Um, at full pace that, that sent Callaway away for his third. Uh, but the other thing that I've noticed about the Wallabies as well, and, I, and, and you mentioned it before in, in Karevi's try, it's almost like it, and I, I bring NRL into it again, but it's like an NRL mm. swing play. So they yep. hit that flat flat runner. You had Callaway with the down line. You had Pattaya coming, who sucked out the defence again, which created the hole for mm. Karevi to go through. Quaid's got ball in two hands. Again, makes a great decision putting Karevi away, but it's all those bodies in motion and that swing sort of play coming from, you know, the blind side and coming round and, and their timing into that. That just, mm. I don't know, it, it's happened a number of times last week. They've done it again this week. And it's just so effective because they get that extra man every time. And if the defence thinks they need to solve the problem on their own, that's where the space is created. So uh, there's been huge growth um, in their attacking play, but it, I do believe it comes off the back of some pretty um, clinical, uh, I suppose, attitude shifts around their breakdown. And I think we've always seen that the Wallabies have wanted to be physical since Dave Rowney's been in there and wanting to move bodies, but they're now bringing the accuracy in their decision-making around the breakdown and knowing when they can expose people's ribs and move them off the ball or when they need to tighten their line and make sure that if there's no body there that they just set the platform where they get ball up. So they're really starting to get the finesse of that breakdown and, and it, mm. I think it will only get better. Mm. Got two more years of Dave Rennie to prepare for this World Cup. We've seen the progress that he's made this year. Um, Bryn, is this Wallabies team a legit contender in two years' time? Oh, I, th I think so. I think if you look at probably the biggest positive around with the Australians is that they've learnt, they've learnt from their lessons and they've found solutions to, to get better. You know, we, we talked around it a lot to be able to be clinical when they were playing the All Blacks. They weren't clinical when they had the opportunities because they had a lot of position and a lot of territory in those games, but, you know, through the bridge pass or been able to not build a high phase counter or maybe build a high phase counter and then lose the ball in attacking zones, that's where they probably lost, lost against the All Blacks. But look at the last four test matches and how clinical they've been in that zone when they have had opportunities to, to score points. 
that's been the difference, you know, whether that be through the boot of Quade Cooper early on in those test matches against South Africa, accumulating points, or even now the last two test matches against Argentina, just through their attack and edge shape and um, variety around their their face play shape has been has been so much better than it was against the All Blacks because, you know, they've, they've had four test wins and you, they've, they've, they've won four in a row and the only losses they had against the All Blacks when they weren't getting the things that, that, I've, that I've talked about. So if they can keep continuing to keep being better and improving on the things that they um, that we've talked about, then they absolutely are. And I, and I think they will because that's what Dave Rennie's like. Dave Rennie's that kind of coach that he won't be satisfied having to, you know, having losses against the All Blacks and not winning winning against the All Blacks, but then being able to learn from that, beat the beat the World Champions twice, and then beat the, the Argentinians convincingly, which they should have done due to the fact that they did beat the South Africans twice. So they'll keep continuing to keep getting better. And what they are doing is they're building depth as well. You know, they had a few changes on the weekend with the likes of Swain. Pete Samu was then rewarded with his play coming off the bench and giving guys op- others opportunities. And getting a result like that on the weekend is massive because. I talked around last week that it could have been a banana skin, a banana skin game because they were expected to win. They've had three tough test matches against three quality teams. And that last test match to, to finish off the season would have set them up really, really well going onto the end of year tour. And they did that. And they did that. They won the game. They scored 32 points in that first you know, 50 odd minutes. So um, I think they are contenders because they'll, 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 keep, they'll keep learning. They'll keep, they'll keep improving just due to the fact that David Rennie won't let them rest on their laurels and they'll keep continuing to try to get better with his with his leadership and his, and his, and his coaching staff. I think the biggest shift that they've, they've had is their turnover rate. The, mm. that, that, and when Bryn says clinical, that's what it is. It reflects in the stats. You know, they were, they were up high 20s um, against the All Blacks and some of them so, so crushing it ended in 60-metre intercept tries. Whereas mm. these last four test mates, they've had 10 or less turnovers plus limited turnovers at the breakdown. So if you take the game on the weekend, they had 10 turnovers with, with ball in hand that you know were by their own doing. And then they had two breakdown turnovers. So 12 times compared to say 20, 25 times, they're giving the, the ball back to the opposition. And that, that's those are pretty disciplined stats. And I, the longer that they can continue with that accuracy, the more, more opportunity they give themselves to, to score points and win test matches and we said that after perth it was it was pretty evident if they could tidy themselves up look after themselves they showed enough that they could be a, a threat in any competition they go into at the opposite end of that scale is the pumas now they have fallen off this year big time they've had a year from hell they're still going to have another three test matches to go for mario ledesma and his team Bryn, What's gone wrong for them? Why aren't they at the place they were last year? I think we've alluded to a few of the things that have um, that have made them struggle. And look, I think their preparation was, wasn't ideal. Um, but even before getting there, yes, they've had time to be able to play test matches and they've played a lot during this rugby championship. But you know, not having the ability to be able to connect with each other is, is really, really tough. And you know, the, we talked around the, the Haguardes and not having that kind of um, forum anymore to be able to, be able to get that continuity and playing with each other is really tough for them, and not having that preparation was probably a little bit undoing undoing for them in this in this competition. But I think you know their, their discipline has has been a probably thing that they need to work on, and that's maybe one thing they can focus on going over 
to the NDA tour because you know you know Thomas Lavanini you know as, as, as a physical player and wants to impose himself on the game just due to his, his brute force and physicality but you know you score 14 points um, when he when he's off on the bin and puts the, their team under pressure and especially with how the Australians were playing they didn't need that with how with how well they were playing but they're consistently getting themselves in bad spots you know due to that 14 points with Lavanini off and then against the All Blacks giving far too many penalties to be able to give teams opportunities to attack so uh, maybe they need to go away and, um, and for that kind of series over when they do go overseas is not giving teams opportunities. We talked around the Australians giving, you know, handling errors and giving the All Blacks opportunities time and time again just due to their unforced errors. You know, it's the same with the Argentinians, but they're giving it in penalties without being able to give momentum to teams through that way. So um, that'll probably be one thing that, they, that I think they need to work on going forward because, look, when they do play, you know, that last, you know, 10, 15 minutes, they scored two tries because they, they held onto the ball and weren't giving away penalties. And um, the big fella, um, Gallo, scores two tries and been able, been able to score those points because they were adding pressure, not giving away penalties. So I think that's their focus. Don't give away penalties, work on your discipline. And then when they do hold onto the ball, they're scoring points that they did in that um, 66 minute and the 72nd second minute in that test match against the Australians. Yeah, look, I think they've got to get back to what they love. Um, you know, you've heard Ledesma come out and saying, you know, we need a break from rugby, but we've got to go on this tour. That filters down, and, and, and I think they've just got to somehow attack this tour. And I know they've had a tough schedule, but they, they have to play these games. So somehow they've got to get that enjoyment, that passion that we see them play with. And, and when they do that, the, their performance is off the back. I agree, dis- discipline needs to be sorted. If they can sort their discipline, they'll they'll give themselves opportunities to win test matches. But more importantly, they're, they're a team that is normally physical in nature, in your face. You know, when they bet the All Blacks, they were just ruthless in the tackle, ruthless in the breakdown. And on the weekend, if you use Callaway's second try, the Wallabies get through four passes with the nine running in the 22. So that's not an aggressive defense. I mean, the nine pops out, runs three steps. He gives a flat ball to Phillips. Phillips then gives a ball out the back to Cooper. Cooper gives to Valentini. Valentini gives to Callaway, and Callaway scores. The, when RG are on, they're up in the face, and that ball doesn't get past Phillips. Or the nine gets snotted. Do you, do, do you know what I mean there? They've got to get back to what makes them yeah. thrive, what makes them love this game of footy, and it's that physical collision. I think if they can find yeah. that happiness... And that emotion, uh, um, controlled emotion on game day to keep that discipline down, they'll bring themselves back. But I agree, it's been a really tough tour for them, um, and uh, it'll be a, a hard finish to the year. But I, I do think they've got. There's not much change from the team that was so amazing last year. They've just got to find that mojo and and that balance mm-hmm. and that cohesion that you spoke about last week. Going through a season like this, Chipper, does it give this team the growth it needs? A couple of years out from the World Cup, they'll learn some pretty important things now that they might not have learned if they had maybe picked up a win and it had been celebrated. Yeah, look, I think it's massive in, in terms of their preparation because they're always a team that that does really well at World Cups and they almost time their run. They came off last year where they had the Hagawares and, and that, that cohesion as such into that tournament a real willingness to play because they hadn't played for a while. And then this year, and they would have got a lot of excitement and energy and, and lessons out of that. And this year, it's been a lot more challenging in terms of their, their COVID protocols and their quarantines and um, you know things that everyone around the world's facing. 
And I think they'll learn a hell of a lot. How do we get the best out of ourselves in those situations? So experiencing it is, is I think, really effective in, in the sense of where they you know, where every team's prepping towards is, is 2023. Um, and, and I think that just needs to be an attitude shift in terms of, you know, walking towards that and going, oh, yeah, you know, this is a challenge, but what have we learned? How can we be better for this for next year and then going into World Cup year? Mm. I think that's the important thing right there, Jip, that, yeah, they learn from it. They've got to be able to, yes, it's a tough schedule and, you know, they need to have a break and, you know, it's not it's not ideal considering how well they went last year. But I think moving forward, if you can be able to understand and, and accept for, like, you know, it's been a tough season, but you've got to be able to, as the coaching staff and the, probably the leaders as well, right, well, how do we get better? What does that look like? What does it look like for the rugby championship next year? Well, hopefully, you know, just um, short-term-wise that the India tour that's coming, how do we continue to get better? Because the learnings that they need to have from the rugby championship, yes, it's been tough for them, but um, like any team and in, in, in life, you know, you need to be able to adapt and then learn from your mistakes and hopefully the Argentinians can do that. Because look, they're such a great team to support. They're so passionate. And when they do get it right, like they did last year against the All Blacks and the successes of, of their test matches when they, they play well, um, you know, it's, it's great to see. And hopefully... We get to see that um, that shortly in the end of year tour, or hopefully next year in the rugby championship. Let's have a look to those end of year tours, uh, in particularly the person who's going with the All Blacks, an absolute bolter, Josh Lord. <laughs> um, it, it's a really exciting selection, I suppose. Um, Jibber, from what you've seen of this guy, are you encouraged that this is a, a good long term proposition? Oh, look, I definitely think he's been considered for long term, but not so much a surprise for me because I've obviously got a close relationship with Jared Hoyata, who's coaching down in the Naki. And for about a year now, he has just been, you know, just before Tupo Vaiu got selected, he was saying the same things. And, and Jared has really alluded to this kid's focus and, and, and willingness to get better. He's coachable. But he's got a real athleticism about him, and that's his point of difference. He can play the tight stuff, but he can get out on the edge and, and do some pretty um, freakish um, things in terms of his skill set. And he's got he's got quite a good turn of pace. But it's it's the the thing that Jared really likes is his ability to be able to go between the two games. And he's only going to get bigger and more physical and more explosive. So I think he's got a, a massive future and. and Obviously, the All Black selectors have seen what Jared's seen as well and um, seen it as an, uh, an opportunity to come blood some talent, which we normally all, always see on the end of your tour. Um, you know, I think they had the apprentice program a few years back. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's exciting for him as a young man to get in, an, in that environment and then be able to take those standards and, and things he learns back into that Chiefs environment to only get better for that environment, but also himself personally. Boy, the Chiefs have got some locks, Bryn. <laughs> They've got some locks now. Yeah, they do. They do, but it's great for the for the Chiefs to be able to bring in another guy like that. You know, you talk around Tupo Vai's been in the Allback environment, a young man, and you've got Brody Retallick, <coughs> excuse me, who's going to be back there. And then, you know, very similar to, I think, you know, you look at Quinton Strange was given the opportunity, but just due to through to injury, wasn't able to go. And um, even Putty Putty Parkinson was probably one guy that you might think would have been at Bolton to be able to go over there as well. But... Yeah, it's great for the Chiefs and great for him as well. I think, you know, I didn't know too much about him, but just hearing from Jip um, and Jared, you know, Jared Hawata, who played for the All Blacks and is such a great guy, knowing talent and understanding the, the lock and roll. So um, I saw him play a little bit with his athleticism. I've seen that firsthand. And uh, for, for Waikato as well, I thought, you know, he's been, he's been great for them. And so 
you know, what a great opportunity for the, that young man to get in that environment and learn, you know, and been able to learn off the likes of, you know, Sam Whitelock's going over there and then um, obviously Brody Retallick's over there as well. So for him, he'll be able to go over there like a sponge, might get an opportunity, which, you know, he'll, would be a great opportunity for him. But I think being able to get him in that environment, have an understanding of what it takes to be an All Black and having, you know, world-class locking, locking partners over there and being able to learn off them will be great for his development moving forward. Possibly even more important than that is the return of Sam Kane, Dane Coles, Sam Whitelock, Shannon Frizzell. Uh, you touched on it earlier, Jipper, but that's a harder edge, isn't it? That could serve them well up north. Oh, massive. Like Experience, you can't really quantify, I don't think. So uh, what they bring, not only on game day, but it's what's brought during the week and, and, and I suppose the... Um, ability to deliver that in a format that everyone understands so that they can execute their role. Um, guys of that experience are almost like extra coaches. Um, they're so effective, effective of, at delivering um, key messages and, and parts of the game that they obviously own. Um, you know, we spoke about the white lock, uh, white lock burnouts, you know, Colsey around the scrums and, and Sam Kane in and around the breakdown. Um, those guys are, are seriously invaluable. Um, to have on tour during the week more so sometimes than than in the game. One thing I do want to know, Ross, is where is Sam Kane going to play his Heartland game? <laughs> King Country. King's, where King is Country, mate. Is he, where's he playing? King Country Rams, mate. Oh, jeez. Just on that, on, that, on that, how good's that, man, to have the all-black captain to go back and play Heartland rugby for King, for King Country? And yeah. he's frothing like, about it. That's yeah, the it's best amazing. Thing. You can't man. wait to tear in. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so good for Heartland Rugby, and it's so good to see someone of that caliber being able to go back and play Heartland Rugby. Um, when was the last time an All Black played in Heartland Rugby? Is this that fear? Uh, I would say Rico Gear when he played for Nelson Bays. The reason I remember that is because they beat Counties in the final, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it still hurts. But I think he was the last All Black out of the second division, so I presume he's the last All Black out of the Heartland Championship, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's great to see. So I, I am really hopefully there's some um, TV coverage of that or some snippets of that. That's impressive, <laughs> Ross. Uh, question without notice and just pulling up a name like that—it's outstanding. But the, I can show you the scars. The, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was, it was the start of a long tradition of buying in ex really expensive talent into that area of the country. <laughs> now, now, and now look where they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm not bitter at all about that. <laughs> not even a little bit. Um, but also, the, the guys from the Wanganui team, like, they are going to feel some heat. Uh, if, they, if they've ever been tackled by someone, um, you know, Sam Kane's going to show them that they probably could be tackled harder. Yeah, and, and, but I also think it's exciting for them. You know, what an opportunity mm. if they can get... Um, you know, uh, a look at the All Black captain, I think they'll be f yeah. frothing just as much as he is to get amongst it. Hmm. Well, let's talk about the All Black captaincy, actually, then, because obviously Sam Kane, you would expect to just walk back in and, and take his, his leader's jersey. Um, but we've seen people like Artie get a crack at that. And and what he learned from that, I mean, Jipper, you've done a lot of captaincy in your time. What would he have learned from his time in charge that would make him a better player now he's not the captain? Uh, I just think understanding big moments. He sort of alluded to it uh, the week before when they um, won in the last minute just around his penalty decisions, um, whether to go to the corner or whether to take points. And 
I think it's a it's a really fine balance being able to feel that game. Um, but I, I suppose someone that who has had a lot of captaincy at Super Rugby, um, using Sam Whitelock as an example, when he took three against the Wallabies at Eden Park around, you know, they'd been attacking hard. He, he felt they just needed that reward. He took the three, I think, with Moonga 50 out. And then just before half time, when there's 30 seconds on the clock, he, he had enough feel for the game and went to the corner. Um, and I, I think that's one thing Artie will, will take out of this because uh, I think it was his first year captaining Hurricanes this year where he did an um, outstanding job. Um, but all those learned experiences, one, he can help out on the field now around making decisions uh, when, when Sam comes back. Um, but also it's something he'll be able to, um, I suppose, put in the back of his mind and, and take forward whenever he gets captaincy um, again at All Black level. But yeah, even going back to Hurricanes level. Mm-hmm. And Bryn, I presume that means he slips back to eight, do you think, during this next series? Sam Kane comes in at seven, and unfortunately my boy Luke Jacobson has to take a hike from the starting team. Um, not necessarily. I think there might be a smooth progression for Sam to come back in, and that might be him off the bench, possibly. Um, you know, like he is all about captain and will probably warrant getting a start, and probably for himself he'll want to be in and out. He'll be wanting to iron out a few things starting um, and that stuff. But, you know... Those boys have played really, really well. You look at the likes of, you know, um, um, Dalton Papali, who's just through injury hasn't been able to hasn't been able to play a lot, but he's played consistently well when he's been given his opportunity. And the likes of Ethan Blackadder on the weekend, you know, he comes on on the fifty minute mark and plays at at seven. You know, so he's a guy that um, has really staked his claim with been able to play really, really well. But yeah, I think he, he will end up starting, and they might shift Artie back to eight, and possibly Luke Jacobson might jump onto the bench or whoever whoever it may be because. Can't, we won't go into details with how much depth there is at that loose four trio um, at the moment. So, uh, but yeah, I think he will he will come back in. Whether he wants to come off the bench just to start with to get his to get his mojo back, um, but then I think by the back end of that of that um, India tour, you know, he'll be starting and um, going back to his old his old self.